grace and peace to you today. We want to uh, welcome you here to LaGrange Church of Christ, especially if you're visiting. I know we got uh, several visitors. Maybe you're here for uh, antiques or maybe you're uh, here for another reason, but we're glad that, glad that you're here. And so uh, if you have a Bible, you can be opening it to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. We're in the middle of a series where we're just... Uh, Looking at some of the things that happened to the li- happened in the life of Jesus and happened to Jesus and, and some of the teachings of Jesus as he's moving towards the cross. And so that's where we're at this morning. Lots of great things coming up here at this congregation. Of course, we've got an event uh, this afternoon at 4.30. Um, also next week is potluck, and so uh, keep that in mind. Let's Let's begin with our text reading this morning, Luke 14, beginning in verse 15. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. At the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. You know, although he's never mentioned, I, I believe that Satan has much to do with our text today. And I want to explain why. And so let's begin with what this passage is about. And at first, we might not be aware of what it is that Jesus is really talking about. He's describing a meal. But, but what does this meal have to do with you or me? If you go back to verse 14, you'll see that Jesus makes this statement. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And so this is a clue. When will the resurrection of the just, or, or some versions might say the resurrection of the righteous, Take place. What's going to take place when Jesus returns? In verse 15, a man says, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, this phrase, kingdom of God, it sometimes refers to the time that we're living in now. And so sometimes it refers to the church. Uh, You might think of it as the reign of God. So, wherever God is reigning, that is the kingdom of God. But it can also refer to a time in the future when Jesus returns and all things are made right and God's reign is absolute. 
A, a time when death and sin are no more. And so because of the mention of the resurrection of the just in verse 14, it only makes sense that Jesus is talking about that return. He has in mind his future return, and he's giving us a glimpse of what that's going to be like. And so we may begin with this question, what will happen after we die? And this is a question that all kinds of people want to know about. In fact, there have been books written, movies made about this very subject. And there's all kinds of ideas out there. Well, as Christians, we're supposed to have the answer. We're, we're to know something about this very question. And if you ask a Christian, what happens after you die? You might receive an answer that looks like this. This is the picture that often comes to mind when people think about the afterlife. Now let me ask you a few questions. Where is the Bible verse that says we'll be living on clouds? Well, let me help you out. There isn't one, you know. Where, where's the verse of the Bible that says we're all going to receive a pair of angel wings? Again, there's not one. Let me ask you another question. Who would want people to be misinformed about the afterlife? I can think of one person, Satan would. And Satan is going to try to do everything in his power to make the afterlife unappealing. Who wants to just sit on a cloud for eternity playing a harp? You know? And it's easy to understand why the world might think this is what happens to a person after they die. But sadly, many Christians believe this same thing. We think we're going to die, we're going to float on a cloud, and we're going to play music for eternity. And although the Bible doesn't tell us everything about the afterlife, it gives us a pretty good picture of what it's going to be like. And we have passages like the one we read this morning in Luke 14... That, that provide hints and clues as to what it's going to be like. And so rather than listen to the stereotypes that the world comes up with about what happens to a person after they die, don't you think it would be wise if we listened to Jesus and we heard the words of Jesus and, and, and see what he has to say about the afterlife? Because he's the one who knows. Well, what does Jesus say? Well, he says... It's going to be like a great banquet. This is the picture that he gives. Um, he presents a, a picture of a lot of people sitting at a table and enjoying a meal together. In fact, this is an image that is used multiple times. Not just once, but multiple times to speak of the life to come. I read one for you this morning. Um, Kent read one for you this morning. There are others as well. And this is one of the first things we should think of when people ask us, well, you know, what's, what's heaven going to be like? Or, or, or what's going to happen after we die? One thing we can say, it's going to be a glorious banquet feast with Jesus and God and many others who have died and gone on before us. That's something we can say for certain. 
It's in Scripture. Not just once, not just twice, but over and over again we find this image. The main purpose of this passage is not to give a full description of what happens after we die. Um, We can learn some things about the afterlife, but what Jesus is doing here is he's offering this story as a warning. And so he gives us this mental picture of a great banquet where many are invited. And when he sends his servant out to remind everyone about the party, uh, they begin to give excuses of why they cannot attend. And so one person says, you know, he's, he's bought a field and he's got to go and he's got to check on this field. Another says, well, he's bought five yoke of oxen. He's got to go and he's got to examine them. Another says that he's newly married and he's just not going to be able to attend. And when the servant returns home and he relays these excuses to the master, the master tells him to go out to the streets and to bring in the poor, to bring in the crippled, to bring in the blind and the lame. And the servant does this. And he comes back and there's still more room. And so the master sends the servant out to the hedges and the highways to compel people to come to the party. These would have been the outsiders, you know, sends them out far away. And this story reveals something about God. God is good and God is gracious. And God invites everyone to his party. God is not standing at the door keeping people out. It's the opposite. God's trying to get everyone to come in. And and He invites people who were not expected to be invited to such a party. He invites the poor. He invites people with with disabilities that in, in that day and age would have made them unclean. He invites outsiders. He invites foreigners. And so the invitation is to everyone, but we learn that everyone does not accept the invitation. Some make excuses, some are too busy, some are distracted and they're not able to attend. Who is God? Well, God is good, He is benevolent, He desires all people to be saved, He wants everyone to respond to His invitation. The the guest list is not limited. If you show up, he's going to make room for you at his table. You know, sometimes people go through life thinking they're they're not worthy. So some might think they're not worthy to partake of this meal that we just partook of a few minutes ago. Some people think that they're not worthy to spend eternity with God. But that's not the message we get from this story. And, and I wonder where does this belief come from? It doesn't come from God. You know, again, Satan would like us to believe that God is a tyrant. He, he would like us to believe that God is just doing everything that he can to keep us out of heaven. And that's a lie. Because God is doing all He can to make sure that we are there at that banquet feast. 
So much so that he sent his son to earth to die for you and me. And, And he's invited all of us to join him at the table. And he's sending his servant out just to remind us that there's a date and it's approaching. And if we fail to show up at the table, it's not going to be God's fault. It's going to be our own. And this is the part of the story that should most concern us. As the servant goes out to remind the guests of the party, he encounters excuse after excuse. And the excuses are all matters of this world. And so they're they're material things. You know, one man is concerned about a field, another his oxen, a third his marriage. In Matthew 6 and verse 33, Jesus says we're to seek first the kingdom of God. Later in Luke 14, just after this story, Jesus will speak of leaving family behind and taking up our cross and following him. And the problem is, is the people in this story, some of them, the ones who make excuses, they're not doing this. They're not seeking first the kingdom of God. They're not bearing their cross and following Jesus. If you ask them, you know, they may claim they're they're doing these things. After all, they had initially accepted the invitation to the party. But when it comes time to go, they're just too busy. And they're distracted by all these other matters. Here's the thing. Satan's greatest trick is not deception. It's it's not lying about the afterlife or lying about God. Don't get me wrong. Those, Those are great tricks and they do much damage. But there's something Satan can do that is much easier than deception. He has a trick that doesn't involve getting someone to believe a lie. His greatest trick is distraction. The people in this story, they did not deny the master. They did not deny God. They probably thought of themselves as good people. They had committed to God and they would do something for him every now and then. But, But then God calls and he's thrown a banquet And he wants them to attend. And and he sends his servant to get them. And and what do they do? They make excuses. I'm I'm sorry, I I can't come right now. I'm, I'm just too busy at the moment. I I have a previous commitment. I, I won't be able to attend today. You know, now's not a good time. Maybe next week. And I want us to imagine for a moment that God returns to earth. Jesus comes back. And rather than announcing to everyone at once that he's here, rather than the the trumpet blowing and, and, and everyone being aware of his return, instead he sends a servant. And the servant looks like an ordinary human being, and, and, and the servant's task is to go door to door inviting people to a banquet. I wonder how many people would show up. I wonder how many people would miss out because they gave some excuse. 
And how often do we do this in our own life? Do we understand that God is present in worship? That, that we meet Jesus every week at the table? And how many times does an excuse keep us from joining Jesus at the table? Well, you know, I'm too busy. Well, I had a late night. You know, the, the kids, they've got some activities today. Well, I'm just tired. But we have an appointment with God every week. And He's here every time that we gather around the table. And, and we've all been invited, but do we all show up? You know, the people in this story, they, they were not doing bad things. Taking care of one's land... Managing one's livestock, those are actually God-ordained tasks. God has put us in charge of, of land and livestock. We are to care for them. They bring us great blessings. Marriage is an institution that is designed by God. His plan in Genesis is for male and female to come together and become one flesh. Marriage is a holy sacrament. And yet, even good things can distract us from God. You know, Satan does not have to get us to embrace evil. He doesn't have to get us to believe a lie. If he can simply distract us from God, then he's done his job. He has taken our attention away from what is truly important. He has caused us to look away from what is eternal and gotten us to focus on what is not. We're no longer seeking first God's kingdom because we have our mind on other things. Well, Jesus tells a powerful story. He informs us that the life to come is going to be a, a glorious, wonderful banquet consisting of the best food, drink, and company that one can imagine. It's going to be a great time of rejoicing and celebration. It will be a time of reunion and conversation. Most importantly, it will be a time in the presence of God where we will dine with the Almighty. Jesus also reminds us here that, that God is good and gracious. And He's doing all that He can to make sure that we're going to be present at this banquet. We won't miss because of God, but we might miss it because of ourselves. Because we have become too busy and too distracted, and without knowing it, we push God to the side. The good news this morning is that we have not missed the banquet yet. We still have time. We can still make preparations. The day is approaching. What will you tell the servant when he knocks on your door? Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and this opportunity when we can set other things aside and focus fully on you. Because you alone are worthy of praise and worship. 
We pray that we as a people will not become distracted by other things, but that you will always be first in our life and that we'll seek first your kingdom. And Father, we we pray that we'll continually make this the emphasis of our lives and that we will not let other things get in our way. We're so thankful for Jesus who has taught us exactly how to do this and come to teach us how to live our lives on earth. We pray this in his name. Amen.